podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Minisode, minisode, mini episode, minisode. Do we do we do a joke for a, a minisode? What's the deal? Yeah, definitely. Oh, you want a joke still? Yeah, yeah. Even for a smaller episode. Okay, Lawrence, it's yeah. it's it involves some interaction, so I need you to to come back at me. Okay, knock knock. Who's there? The Red Bull RB18. The Red Bull RB18 who? Well, that's what we're about to find out, isn't it? <laughs> Anyone? That's terrible. Medus, is your audio working? You didn't seem, you didn't seem to laugh at that. <laughs> I mean, that one, I don't, I don't think that one needs a, needs a ranking as such. No, it's not going to get one. Good. I'm not allowing it. No, Good. well, it's not should really we just move on? Yeah, we should just go straight into it, shouldn't we? Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula 1 around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. And I'm calling Nate out straight away before we get into anything here. Because he's drinking from a rival podcast's mug. It's not, it's not a rival podcast mug, it's the podcast nobody asked for. Which is what they're called, it's not, that's not my review of them. <laughs> and, uh, they actually gave us a mug before we had mugs, and I've actually got our mug in the dishwasher so i'm using their mug it's a good mug my friends ian and graham we're talking about movies and mm. they have a nice mug that's purple it is actually a i like the color cool. yeah I do like but it. Cool. do they have one well, of our mugs i believe so if not i will ask them and find out because maybe now i'm thinking maybe they don't we need some ambush marketing of our own because that's exactly what's happening <laughs> yeah here. um but nice review of their podcast nate uh or not review we have reviews. We have lots of reviews. We have three I'll rattle through. Wow. Uh, one, firstly, this isn't a review. This is a Twitter comment. People backing me for the F1 and F2 cars being on the track at the same time. Uh, John Kelly on Twitter said, legit best idea ever uh, and told you two to step it up. So there. Uh, Will great. Jones, this was the one. Now a review says, you guys are like the Haas reveal. Oh, funny, because we're going to speak about that later. Uh, he said, should be underwhelming, but somehow is all that's needed. Uh, debatable on many fronts, but we'll get many that. girls tell me that. What was the review? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other two uh, reviews we've had are both five stars. Thank you very much. Firstly, to Baritus, uh, who's from Great Britain, who said uh, the title is somehow genius. It sounds uh, a lot like Barretto. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, it me, it so wasn't me. Read it with it was a member of your family, wasn't it? Read it with uh, caution, I would say. It, it says, uh, my love for this podcast crept up on me. My impression started out as it being a bit of a knockabout giggle with a little bit of F1 thrown in, and I've ended up charmed by the dynamic between the chaps and having enjoyed a lot of straight F1 opinion and sometimes some background F1 shenanigans that you wouldn't normally hear about. You've charmed uh. me. Yeah, <laughs> you've charmed <laughs> That's me. what that sounds like. You've charmed yeah. me. So that's, that's like the perfect Baritus summary for what we aspire to do, right, on this podcast. Yeah. I, I'm actually quite upset because I liked it when it was just people chatting. I didn't want yeah, it to be we... charming. <laughs> I don't want people to... Or straight <laughs> F1 charming. opinion. Yeah. Um, which is which is poor. So you probably want to switch off now, Nate, because we might do some of that in a bit. Uh, <laughs> and the, the other review is from John BRGVX220, catchy, uh, also from Great Britain, who says, uh, yes to all the F1 queens. Uh, when you want that light F1 release, it's perfect. Opening gag is the highlight. The rating system is clearly flawed. Lawrence's <laughs> scoring system of exclusively 7 plus isn't fully balanced. 
love the pod, love the chat, love the theme song. Yes, boys. So they're not uh, going to have listened this far because we didn't do a proper gag. Well, uh, I mean, you tried, didn't you? I did a gag. Whether yeah. it was a good gag, but it wasn't. I mean, let's be honest. No, I just gag. gagged at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. anyway. Just an example of the laughs that we have here. Yeah, there's some <laughs> more. We'll clip that. Yeah. Um, so let's do the straight F1 chat that they don't really like us doing. But we've seen two cars and they're not we cars. Have, have we? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with the heart. The render. That, that, I mean, that definitely wasn't a car, was it? That was literally a render. It wasn't a physical being. It was a computerized thing. Um, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> you two were looking at me like I was going to say something very, very smart and sensible. But I wasn't. Yeah, I just... profound. I thought you were going to start talking about, you know, um, what is a real thing? I, I, um... Yeah, probably I should have done. But um, no, I mean, I, I've liked both of them. The Haas... I think Haas are always quite clever, aren't they? Because they always kind of get out ahead of everyone and say, here's our car, here's our in livery. car launches rather than racing. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and the only year they didn't do that was when they had the rich energy. So I think that, that if there was ever any doubt about them doing renderings and just launching in the paddock on the first day of testing, that probably eradicated them because they like, we went to all this expense and then it kind of blew up on our face. So, it was a um, lovely day out, though, to be clear, the rich energy. It was, was good. The RAC club. Wasn't it the automobile? Yeah, it was, yeah. in Mayfair, we we had to dress up all fancy. We went to wear jeans. Jacket. Yeah, and who would have thought that it was all a sham? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, <laughs> Literally everyone. Um, yes. <laughs> well, that was the 2018 car. Yeah, sorry, that's my review car. of the 2018 um, house, not the, not the 2022. Well, we, uh, you like the 2022 one. I do. Sorry, I thought you were going to say something. There's a bit of a delay oh, on my end. That's what I'm. That's what I'm blaming. That's what I'm blaming. Good. Good. Because um, you're back from America, so there's no delay. That you now say there's a delay. True. Um, so what I liked about the, seeing a render and then seeing what Red Bull put out is that you can kind of you can see which parts of the car has have been quite optimistic about. Being like, this is what we think the car should, in theory, look like here. Like if you look at like their side pods and stuff, but it looks similar to the Red Bull in that like it's quite everything looks quite smooth, and actually um, Meta's Jess. For listeners, that's I, I don't need to tell Meta this, he knows, but that's better that's Chris's <laughs> girlfriend. But she put something on Instagram just now where she put a comparison between the, these cars and last year's cars. And by comparison already, they do look quite like boxy and you know, weirdly jagged edges. Um and yeah, these ones have looked really like kind of smooth and slick and sci-fi. Um, even though, like you said, they're probably not what we'll see in testing or in Bahrain, but if this is the basic principle and they look very curvy, very just kind of nice to look at. Curvy is the term that Jess used, and I said, and she said she likes the curvy, and I said that's good because I've put on about half a stone since Christmas. And and is that why you went on a run just before this podcast? I did, yeah, and it really hurt, and I've got a bleeding foot, and uh, and I'm now tired. It's why we were late. So wow, wow, apologies. Not that anyone else needed to know that, but not that anyone did know that until now. (laughs) Um, but I'm gonna call you on. Um, the Haas and say it being optimistic maybe but I think it's the Haas was at least a version of the Haas car that's in development the Red Bull is just a standard basically. mock design isn't it with their livery on it it was basically the car that we had in the paddock you know the show car the Red Bull this is the silvery you know, the one red one would, or the, color, <laughs> yeah. the colourful one just with the Red Bull thing put on because if you actually compare the two we're going to get to that later like they look almost the same and Red Bull have done that before right where they just say here's our car and then the one that 
even in testing, first week of testing, they're like, oh, this is a different car. Second week of testing, this is also a different car. Um, so yeah, I think you can see more kind of philosophies for this year on the Haas than you can on the Red Bull, which is quite interesting. Um, but the Red Bull was just kind of an Oracle launch, wasn't it? Rather than a car launch. Yeah, but that was worth a launch. I think I think Beretta wanted to say something about the car, but on Oracle, like <laughs> half a billion dollar deal. I saw you right. tweet that, I mean, Meadows. That is extraordinary, isn't it? That's a lot. Half, half a billion. billion. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that is a lot. That is a lot. Is it, was it over five years? Yeah, over five years. So hundred so million dollars a year. That kind of replaces the kind of money Honda were putting in anyway. Yeah. So I think um, with Red Bull, it might exceed it. I'm not certain. Uh, I know Honda and McLaren was talk of huge money there, but I'm not sure what it actually became when it was with Red Bull. But um, yeah, it's it's a big chunk of money, especially in budget cap era. I mean, there's other other deals have been huge too. Petronas and Mercedes is big. Ferrari have number of sponsors that pay them a lot of money um, mm-hmm. or worth a heck of a lot of money. So it's not ridiculous that um, teams are able to pull in this sort of figure, but it's because it's an American tech company as well. Like It's a new avenue of um funding that is i think pretty encouraging actually so yeah good for them i would have i would have done a launch for someone paying me half a billion dollars as well to be honest in (laughs) fact anyone want to contact us and give us half a billion dollars we will do a launch for you yeah the oracle pad hoc we call ourselves (laughs) rolls off the the tongue um three american young men doing an american podcast right that does have a nice ring to it i'm not it does doesn't it maybe we've changed our tagline to that Next episode, we'll do an American accents. Oh, so no. bring your best, bring your A game. Wear some cowboy hats. If you want, oh, I can do that. I can, I can wear cowboy boots. Yeah, okay. Oh, that works. Of course as long as you can get into character, <laughs> yes. I'll wear something cowboyish. I don't know, a sheriff's badge or something. I'll follow them. <laughs> All right, you run. Sweet. A, 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 sheriff's, a sheriff's cowboys, or are they not sheriffs? sheriffs. <laughs> Actually, aren't they? They're the ones chasing the cowboys. Damn, this is. Yeah. I've not thought anything through today in this pod so far. <laughs> anyway, back to the RB18 that wasn't. Uh, Beretto. Um, I thought that I like the livery. I suppose that's all I could really look at it. And I thought the livery looked pretty cool. Um, I like the, the fact that we're going to see some curves in there. I was a bit disappointed that we as the media didn't get a chance to talk to the drivers and um, Christian, but I guess testing's only a couple of weeks away and it won't. It, I at least we'll get to see a car then that's going to hit the track that's going to be slightly closer to what they're going to race um, this time around. And like you said, Meadows, like Red Bull tend to do this, don't they? Push development time to like the ragged edge. Adrian Newey likes to uh, keep pushing production lines. So I guess it isn't surprising. Um, they're nine, is it nine days to Mercedes? So they probably wouldn't want to reveal anything now and give anyone any um, kind of upside from seeing their car. Um, well, I think they, they wanted to be the first as well, didn't they? <clears throat> and, and then Haas got them <laughs> and then Haas got there and, and so, so I think when they planned it out um they thought well we'll be the first one you know we you know we can get the get the number one car out there they probably knew about the oracle deal in the works so I think there's a bit of that to it as well and um I think that people are starting to get wise to that now that launches aren't really like it's really just launches. a lot of these are just kind of livery launches really like in any any team that <clears throat> any team that's like this is our final car is in a lot of trouble because they shouldn't have like they like there's no reason they should have stopped developing the car at this point you know what i mean like they shouldn't they shouldn't be in a position where they're like our car's finished here it is and if a team ever says that to you you should be like they're going to do terribly this year <laughs> um so yeah that was um i was i went to marinello briefly uh on monday for 24 hours to do a podcast with ben agathangelo from haas for one of their sponsors called uh, ionos 
just doing a plug there for my other work. <laughs> Smooth. Um, but uh, speaking of Ben, and we talked about, you know, the fact that lots of teams have failed crash tests and stuff. Uh, and I was told at the Autosport Awards on Sunday night that uh, Aston Martin didn't fail their crash test first time. And Ben was just like, oh, well, then they didn't make it light enough. Like <laughs> everyone went, you know, with a lighter tub basically and failed the crash test and had to strengthen rather than went in with something that was going to pass first time. And um, yeah, it like, was such a radical set of new regs. Like you say, Nate, everyone's going to push it up to and beyond like the first test. I mean, the, the development race, I know it's under a budget cap, but that will be one of the main areas of focus this season. So even what we see at testing isn't going to be what's at the first race, even what's at the first race will be very different by about race five or six, I imagine. Uh, end of the season, they'll look radically different again. So yeah, it'd be kind of weird to have anyone who was who basically stopped at, or, or even put into production a car to just roll out for a launch when they don't need to. So, uh, yeah, this year more than any. And uh, like you said, they also don't want to give anything away. Um, I think, Lawrence, you were saying about, you know, the time in the Mercedes one and stuff, like no team wants to actually show anything that could be of interest to another team, even if it's something that they can't implement yet. They might, you know, if it's if they were interested in it themselves, they could push the button on it for between some parts. If it was re- something that was really interesting, I think by the first race, you could have it on the car if you saw it now and knew how it worked. Um, I'm trying to remember James Key talking about that last year, was it in Bahrain? There was one last year or the year before. Someone had a cool concept of something that I can't remember, so this mm-hmm. is vague. But James Key was like, "Yeah, if that's yeah, if that's worth it, that's the sort of thing you can be doing CFD on now. You can have a wind tunnel model because it was a small part, like in no time, and you could manufacture a piece to try on the car." He reckoned within, I think, four weeks, like so, two races time, um, which was pretty rapid turnaround. So, yeah, he, no one wants to give anything away. I'm surprised you're saying anything, to be honest. Same. <clears throat> There's a great story that sums up testing for me. Lawrence Edmondson, my ESPN colleague, did a history on Braun GP in 2019, 10 years on from that. And one of the big gains that Braun made was during testing. I couldn't believe this is a real story, but it, it, the, the article he did is just an oral history on Braun GP, if you want to find it. But during testing, somebody put the front wing on the wrong way around on Button's car, and he went out and did an insanely quick lap. They're already really quick. They came in and said, oh, the, the wing's on the wrong way around, which you can do in testing. You know, there's no, you know, you, it's not like you're getting tested and getting, like, banned from testing for that as long as the car stays on the road. So what they thought, like, actually, the, the philosophy of a, of, a, of a wing like that is quite interesting. And they looked at it and they, they, they took models back to the factory and they realized if we design a wing where we almost invert it within the regulations, it'll be much quicker. And they found a huge gain from that. And it's purely from somebody putting on the, the wing the wrong way around. And I was just like, that's a nuts story. But obviously that year, Braun was so far ahead of everyone. Um, and it kind of shows you that that's the stage. That was obviously a long time ago now, but kind of that's where you're at with testing. A lot of it is just trial and error. Like, is this going to work? And if it does, cool. If it doesn't, you can kind of probably get away with it if it's not a major error. If it's not like you're, if your whole car philosophy is flawed, then you, you kind of, you're kind of in trouble. That reminds me of, was it 2013 when McLaren put the suspension on incorrectly? Yeah, uh, on the rear of again, I think it was Button's car in testing, and he was rapid, and everyone was like, "Wow!" And then they had to admit they're like, "No, that, that was illegal. That was <laughs> ac- you know, we didn't intend to do it. I mean, we learned from it, but uh, yeah, we can't not allowed to run the car like that." Um, and it was more a sign of a bit of trouble at the time. So JB doesn't get much luck. Well, he does, I guess, in terms of well, making his car quick. He but... got his luck in two thousand and nine. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say he got, say he got very yeah. lucky that year. True. Um, yeah, it's been um, it's been an interesting start to launch week. Uh, today, I think bigger news was well, actually, Oracle was a lot of money, but uh, Lando Norris made a lot of money as well. Yeah, crikey, absolute crikey! 
great 24 hours for him. He went to the Brit Awards, then announced a new deal, and then was on this morning. Was he on this morning? He was on this morning. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I saw. He's, he's becoming a regular on that show. He's becoming he? like a friend of this morning. Friend of the he was he was a friend very of the good, morning. I thought, as short as it was, I thought he was good at the Brits. Mm. I like short bit of hosting, but um, yeah, he looked he looked comfortable, which you could not have said probably about a year or two ago. Mm. Well, I want to ask you guys about that because I think the Norris deal is really interesting. So was it last May? <clears throat> he signed a multi-year deal, which was 2024. Same deal Daniel's on, I believe. Daniel's on a three-year deal, isn't he? Yeah, so he's on, en- yeah, yeah. end of 23 for them. End of, yeah. Sorry, end of 23. Um, and then this year, Lando gets one year added to that. So he's now going to 2025. And like you said, sorry, to, I'm getting my maths all wrong here, aren't I? It, it was 2023 and now it's four and five. So he's extended it through to that. Do you think that that's a wise idea before we've seen the pecking order of this year and just whether McLaren, I know he's very confident that they can be there, but I feel like his value is still going to be the same in, let's say, three months from now as it is now to get that deal if he wants it. What do you think? Cause, cause he, cause he, cause if McLaren, if McLaren are in a bad situation, he's, he's backed himself into a corner cause they made, they made it very clear that his deal is you can't get out of on either side. McLaren can't get rid of him. Norris can't yeah, kind of wiggle out of it. I know that, I know that they can. You're right. McLaren said that. Andreas Seidel said that, but he said that just after Lando had basically said, you know, there's always stuff in contracts. So I wonder what that stuff <laughs> is, but I imagine that's more. Yeah. If McLaren were terrible, absolutely terrible and he wanted to leave he might be allowed you know some basically i think if it was you know they were not top six in the championship and the team that had just won it come for him that maybe then he's allowed to go or something or for a set fee that's lower than the normal buyout would be but um no i think he's made the right call i think partly because so the the deal that was to the end of 23 was an extension of his previous deal so that was on less money um, I don't know if there would, there would have been a financial increase anyway, just as signing extension, but it was it was a contract extension that was taken up, like an option that existed. Whereas this is a brand new deal because there was still so much interest in him. And he basically, he, he didn't quite say it, but he named teams at certain times. So he, and he says you can normally have a good guess at these sorts of things. He said he was approached by other teams and he, he named Merck and Red Bull at different points in his answers um about future opportunities and when they might be so i think he just went to mclaren and he, he again he hinted that he did this and said to them you know Merck and red bull are kind of they're, they're <laughs> sniffing around you know so you want me to stay you, should, you know I'm, I'm performing so well i'm your lead driver this year you should pay me more money and give me a longer term deal and don't forget he's 22 like mm. he was and he was a guy that was low on confidence when he first came to f1 so his first year and even second year really i imagine he felt like he was proving himself trying to like or trying to prove to himself he belonged Last year, I think he actually felt like he did and was proving to McLaren that he should be there longer term. And now he's just got himself a hell of a lot of security, a hell of a lot more money, um, which was reflected by the fact he moved to Monaco over the winter. Uh, And he's at a team that he loves and people he knows who all have committed longer term as well. They're investing in the wind tunnel. They're much more financially stable than they have been in the past. Like McLaren are very well placed to be successful. You're right that it could all go wrong. But don't forget, it's a Mercedes powertrain in the back that's going to be frozen. So that's going to be a baseline that's going to be very good. Mm. I I fail to see the downside other than if one other team nailed the regs and are smashing it and they want him, he might not be able to leave. But then, you know, so sometimes it isn't all about the end result, is it? If, if he wouldn't like the environment somewhere else, he's still got to go and live that every day. So if he loves where he's at, I think it's a, I think it's a smart move. I think he's played the game really well to get it actually out of McLaren now because also if the McLaren is good this year, uh, and everyone wants in, and McLaren can almost take their pick of any other driver. They can't get rid of him 
so he's he's locked himself in uh so yeah i think i think it's a smart move yeah i think it's good business may as well take advantage of it when when the iron's hot and they you know his stock couldn't be any higher at the minute and um, McLaren I get the feeling he's going to be kind of like a Ryan Giggs he's gonna if if he has his way he'll stay at McLaren for his whole career uh, like he did at Man United so sporting context sorry to Rodri Giggs for that joke but <laughs> Um, but he's okay with it. He's made adverts about it. Anyway, we're not we're not a gigs podcast. Our American listeners are like, who? What? Yeah, Google yeah, gigs. gigs. That's that's true. Thank oh, me God. later. <laughs> <laughs> Great drama. Um, sorry, but anyway, Lawrence, you make a very good point about Ryan Giggs and how <laughs> Norris is going to grow up to look like him. I think <laughs> play for Wales. <laughs> I just think oh no Bando... you were, were going to say that he, when he wins his first race he's going to rip off his shirt and do that Ryan Giggs celebration <laughs> no but revealing freaking... revealing like a really hairy chest and everyone's that like, would that be hilarious wouldn't it if he did that even so if American he just people, like it please go YouTube this so I don't sound like an absolute crazy person <laughs> yeah after finishing whatever we say now yeah yeah um what else was I going to say um sorry Lawrence has been trying to make this point for about a minute <laughs> apologize mate sorry come on <laughs> I was just going to uh, back up Midas' point about uh, environment. And I think that we've seen plenty of drivers go to different teams where the car is potentially stronger, but they just don't feel comfortable where they are. And like, everyone loves Lando there. And he clearly loves that team. Mm. Um, and I think that with James Key at the helm, aero-wise, I just don't think they're going to get it massively wrong. And if they do, he's shown time and again that he can get himself out of a hole if, if they yeah. end up in one hole. So even if it is one bad year, I think, that they can recover um and mclaren need him kind of like in the long term they don't know who else they're going to get long term um to kind of lead lead them over the next three four five six seven years and out of that crop of you know the russells the leclerc's the verstappen science gasly he's right in there as one of the ones you want you want so it's really good business from mclaren's point of view and they had that fresh investment didn't they from that u.s sports mm. investment fund and they've got some MSP. more there we go. Thank you. Uh, and they've got good uh, money in the bank after they sell the factory. So, like, they're in a really strong position. And if they keep doing well, then they're only going to get stronger. They're going to attract more sponsors. It's just going to go the right way for their man for Lando. I think it's like the perfect storm. It's the great moment where I think we'll probably look back and think, oh, he was actually pretty clever to do it right here, right now. Yeah, they're, they're almost a little bit synonymous at the moment, aren't they? Like, they're a really good fit and he's a good ambassador for them. And I think that's something that it's coincided with McLaren kind of turning around as a team in terms of the way that people feel towards them and and their own recovery. And I think it's good that they're keeping that momentum rolling. I think it's important for them. But um, yeah, why? Do you, do you disagree, Nate? Would you not have done it? Would well, you not have signed on the dotted line? I'm more of a pragmatist on this, but I, th- I, I actually agree with you guys. I think McLaren are in a really good place. But I just I just think that the, the downside of it could be big. Like, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but with F1 regs, there's always, like, there is always yeah. a chance he ends up in the wrong car. And I just think that, you know, that would be awful for him. It'd be, I think it would be pretty bad for F1 because I think Lando's probably one of the best young drivers out there. And for him to kind of just be stuck in a car where, you know, he's almost taken this deal. I'm not saying he took it for, wait, he took it because the money was good as well. That's obviously a consideration. But for that to then in a year, you're like, man, if only he'd kept his options open, he could get out of this, you know, at the end of 23 or something like that, which at the moment, Danny Rick's going to be able to do. So I find that quite interesting that he hasn't done that. I know he only signed his deal, you know, just to start last year. 
But I wonder if he's going to do the same thing or if he'll have the chance to do it or whether he'll keep his options open. Because I feel like ever since 2018, Ricardo's whole mindset has been, I want to get in the McLa- in the Mercedes. Like yeah. he's always, you know, he went to Renault for two years. because He's like, there'll be, a, there'll be a seat open. That wasn't open. Went to McLaren, thought, right, I'll, I'll sign here for two, three years. Then, you know, in the back of his head, he's like, I want to get in that Mercedes. So I feel like I feel like he's a bit more, you know, long term in how he thinks about it. But then he's older as well, so I think he probably thinks the next contract he signs might be not the last one, but might be the last chance he has to sign a to, to win a championship. So, maybe, so I do agree with Meadows on that. That Lando is—I always forget how young he is. It's crazy. Um, yeah, he'll be twenty-six so, at the end of this deal. Whereas I, I think um, Ricardo would sign the exact same deal if given it right now, assuming it's enough money. Uh, I reckon after the year he's had, if he got a show of faith from McLaren that said. We'll stick with you for four years. I mean, he's got he's going to have to have a hell of a season this year to put himself back in the frame. I think for a Merck seat or for yeah, a, I think know, I agree. He's probably not going back to Red Bull is he? So, um, and Ferrari looks set long term. But um, yeah, it's I, interesting, I, isn't it? I now, if you think if you he look could at the, do that as well, if you look at the main teams now, it's quite interesting. You've got Russell looks like he's set at Mercedes. Verstappen wants to stay at Red Bull for life. I agree with you, Ferrari. Like if that if that partnership doesn't start crashing on track, I think the science of Lurks are a really strong partnership. And then you've got Lando like tied down at. McLaren. I don't think you've ever had a situation where there's been so many teams that have like a synonymous face attached mm. to them. That you've always had a team that's kind of like this guy's always been there, or has been here for ages. But you could literally have a decade where these guys, it's like right, McLaren is Norris, Mercedes is Russell, Ferrari is Leclerc and Science, or maybe just Leclerc. I don't know what Science will do, but then Red Bull is Max, and there might be guys that go to other teams. Aston Martin is Stroll, obviously. Um, <laughs> well, literally, is Stroll. literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's course. true. Um, and Alpha Tauri, for some reason, is still Gasly in 10 years. He's like, can I get a promotion? I'm like, no, stay there. You stay there, Pierre. And that is like, quite oh. interesting, though, because then, yeah, that then makes it, you're right, kind of intriguing to think of the position of strength someone like Alpine or Aston would be in if they yeah. produce a really good car. Because, like, they... they can lure the like, face weird, of a team away yeah, like, from another team. Yeah, yeah, or, like, just, just weirdly how open their options would then be. I know... It's, yeah, it's kind of obvious then you could say like the best talents are taken, but it's like, I, I'm with you. I can't think of a time when it's been that like nailed down that there's been so many big names at each one that are, that you really can't see going anywhere. So um, yeah, that'd be pretty fascinating actually. You could end up with like the best car, but like the best drivers are not available for it. Uh, and someone they'd have to take a punt on someone or spend a lot of money on someone. So yeah, that'd be really weird to see that kind of dynamic play out. Well, look at when Bottas, sorry, when Rosberg retired, like it wasn't like Mercedes could just go and be like, we'll get Alonso, we'll get Vettel. Like they talked to them and it was very quick. Like, obviously, it seems like Wolf didn't want Alonso in the car, but it wasn't like it was suddenly like everyone was like, oh, who are they going to get? And it was people in F1 were like, well, probably Bottas because he's got the Merck link and like you can't really see anyone else, you know, doing it. And Hulk didn't seem that that likely. And it was kind of but like when Messi left Barcelona, everyone was like, oh, he's going to PSG. (laughs) Like straight off the bat, it wasn't like who else could get like where else could he go? It was just known. So I think that that is true about Alpine. You'll have this situation where there'll be one driver who is just like, hey, I'm available. Give me the best car of all time. Like, I'll happily drive it. And all the others are looking like, oh, shit. I <laughs> so it won't just be Lando then. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, it'll be all of them. It'll be all of them. That's my prediction. Everyone's sad. <laughs> Everyone is sad. Um, no, I hope that's not, I hope that's not true. Well, not, not everyone will be. 19 drivers are always quite sad, aren't they, at the end of the year? Yeah. Generally, yeah. Yeah, Most I guess so. I guess so. Well, not yeah. Actually, some of them might be quite happy. But Speaking of sad people, before we uh, log off, there's something that I bet you two don't want me to mention, but I'm going to mention anyway, because it's annoyed me today. 
but certain corners of Twitter have got very angry about an, a previously unheard, apparently, radio message from Abu oh, Dhabi, yeah. which which is not previously uh, unheard at all. Came out no. in December. Um, and the thing is, they jump on it like it proves that Matty was acting on Red Bull instructions. Now, these are these are open radio channels, right? These, this was broadcast stuff that everyone heard at the time, that, 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 that Matter heard at the time. Like, you can't, you can't play that game that way. That's very naive thinking to say, oh, well, they said this and he did this, therefore he's just acting on what Red Bull say. Every team, this has been a big problem, isn't it? That every team gets to lobby him, mm-hmm. get to put their point of view across. Normally, there's one or two options that he can, they can choose to do. And team on each side are going to lobby each side. So one of them is going to sound like they've called for something to happen and they've got it. But that is just not how it works. And, you know, as much as we said that it was terribly handled, like wrong way of going about finishing the race, uh, investigations right that's happening, like change is needed to to keep just pulling up what was broadcast or what wasn't as radio, bits, little snippets of radio messages and saying, well, that proves this. Like I just, it just, I've got me so wound up that it's like it's just not. I, I couldn't case. tell, Meadows. Couldn't tell. <laughs> there's, like, there's a vein it's in just, your forehead. It's just so simple, isn't it? To be like, oh well, I've heard it's, that now, so it means this is happening. It's like you, the amount of conversations going on in race control or between teams during yeah. that time, like, was enormous. I, so I tweeted in in January at the start of Jan that um like a like a little exchange. I was like, you know, Twitter random like, why haven't you covered what happened at Abu Dhabi properly? And then like me sends them five links. It's like them oh i didn't actually read those and like it's the reverse of that it's because people didn't see it at the time they're like oh this this must be new and it's like well no like just because you've seen it now doesn't mean and like you know the bbc usually fantastic at like writing their stories but like it was the story was the fia is aware of it and it's like well, of course they're aware of it they're doing an investigation like they're aware of all of that like it's all like yeah. you said it's all open so if they the story would be if the if the fia said oh we weren't aware of that message you'd be like all right that's a story the fia is not yeah. even aware that this happened on their open channel the fact they're aware of it, it's like, of course they are. So you have all these like sleuths, don't you, on F1 Twitter who are like trying to solve different cases and putting two and two together and making ten. And it's just frustrating. Yeah. So, and man, I don't, made, I don't you, mind. You've wound me up now, man. You've wound <laughs> yeah. me up now. on our on our long minisode. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> mind that fans are wound up. Like that's absolutely fine, and they're right to be. Like, but the way that then, like you say, they they just assume certain things mean just the way it it plays out over a radio channel that it means that something happened. That's yeah, I mean, you know, you stop and think about it for a second. Like, there's obviously no way that Jonathan Wheatley comes on a radio, says, Michael, do this. And he goes, oh, okay, I'll do that. Like, he's 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 running, like, that's happened a million times as well during the season in terms of each team lobbying in for certain stuff. And he's had to make a decision. Um, and I think Abby Dabby in itself is just proof that he wasn't trying to favour one team over the other, like, purposely. Because, in my view, Lewis should have been told to give Max a place at the start. And he was like, nah, carry on. So he just made bad decisions. But um, yeah, I wanted to get that off my chest because it had wound me up today. And uh, like you say, we, apparently we don't cover it. So now we have. Um, yeah. But we'll see, we'll see what happens. Be ne- that'll be next week. At least there's stuff to talk about that, that aren't car launches because they're not cars yet. <laughs> That's true. I had, a, I had a quick something I want to get off my chest as well. And it's the, um, it's the 1929. No, it's my 19, It's the nineteen twenty nine Monaco Grand Prix that um, oh, I'm sure you God. all are aware. Of. <laughs> You're all aware of, right? Yeah, everyone knows about yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Well, William Grover Williams won it, right? That's his surname, <laughs> Grover Williams. On Wikipedia, right on the classification, it just says W Williams in like speech speech marks. What's that about? What's up with that? What do you mean on Wikipedia? You don't read Wikipedia. You no, this is all knowledge I mean, from when you were there. Yeah, but I mean, having been there and having seen that Williams Grover Williams won, I think it's insulting <laughs> to, to, to Britons. Yeah, to one of Britain's foremost 
racing drivers that he's not even recognized. Do you know that uh, he was an SOE agent and uh, he worked in the Second World War? <laughs> I mean, I thought we were going to get through this episode without you imparting some facts New. or wisdom for us. <laughs> <laughs> New we are not. <laughs> we were so close. I mean, Meadows can put that on the chopping room floor if he wants. Never. The mini show that wasn't mini at all, it's staying in. Uh, <laughs> it's just sorry, so... people that A listened and didn't hear a joke and then had to me talk absolute shit for half an hour. Maybe you have to do two jokes for the next pod, Nate, to make okay. up for it. I've Nate's actually got one. This, you're saying this like that that's not normal. <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. Not, not hearing much of a joke and then listening to us talk shit for half an hour is exactly what every episode is like. Pretty much. There was a good, good, good amount of chat in this one, in this mini sode. Yeah, sorry about that. F1 chat. Yeah. Mm. Right. Lawrence, All right. Let's out. call it. Should we call it? Let's I call it. I'm going to see you cool. guys both on Friday at Woking. Should Woking. we set that up? Should we, should we risk this and say we're going to try? Try. Hey, I'm going to risk. I'm going to tell them. Retta's shaking his head furiously. We're going to do a regular soda. But we're going to try and do a regular soda uh, in person at wow. an F1 factory. I mean, we might not be able to. We probably won't make it happen. But then you can at least have a go at us for failing. So, you know, I like I like to take risks. What can I say? I've told you. Wow. That is no, big. Right. I mean, if that's not a reason to listen if that's not a reason to listen on Friday to find out whether or not we've done it, I don't know what is, frankly. Um, biggest you... news of the week that I've just given away there. Certainly biggest news of today. Spoiler bigger alert. Than, bigger than Lando's contract. I mean, Lando bigger than Oracle. Yeah. Two pods in one week. Good. What is happening? <laughs> we spoil our listeners, don't we? Absolutely spoil them. <laughs> All right, chaps. Well, thank you very, very much for your time, as always. Lawrence is still anyone... trying to make the Ryan Giggs point from earlier. <laughs> 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 Sorry, mate. Sorry. All right. I will now mute myself, everybody. Goodbye. For the, for the sanctity of the pod, I am signing off. Goodbye. You need to get yourself to the pub. All right, Lawrence. So I'll 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 let you... <laughs> I just muted myself. Come on. <laughs> um, remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels. You can read Medicine's work on racer.com. Thanks work on ESPN.com and my work on F1.com. Let's get this signed off, shall we? Bye. Bye. Network.